Hi, I'm Michael Stittle. And I'm Nick Nanos. And welcome to Trendline. So, Nick, we're several weeks into this pandemic. We're both recording this in our homes, doing our part to flatten the curve. Mm-hmm. Uh, is, is there a sense of complacency now, or is this still the number one issue for Canadians? No, the issue is hot, hot, and even hotter. You know, the, the fact of the matter is, is uh, you know, right now, you know, every week we track Canadians and ask them, uh, what the top national issue of concern is, and Michael, let me uh, share my screen for a sec, so we can so we can check out check out the data. Hmm. So uh, can you see that? Yeah, I can. Wow. Whoa. Yeah. So check out that trend line. You can see basically a steep upward trajectory. You know, when we're into uh, when we we start to get into April. You know, back in the end of uh, January, it was basically nowhere on the agenda. And uh, right now, almost uh, one out of every two Canadians unprompted cite coronavirus as a top national issue of concern. Uh, the curve has flattened, but man, that is still uh, a significant number in terms of an unprompted national issue of concern. But, you know, the other trend line that's quite interesting is check out the environment. That's the green trend line. You know, back in mm-hmm. January, 21% top issue of concern, actually ahead of jobs in the economy and healthcare. And uh, now, down to uh, just uh, six or seven percent. So, uh, so that's that's down when we look at the trend line. We always seem to see that switch between the environment and the economy. When when the economy is in jeopardy, let's say the environment sort of sinks below it as as, a, as an issue. And it's only when we seem to be doing quite well uh, economic wise that that the environment shoots up again as a major concern. Yeah, I think that that's actually a very fair point. I think what what's, what rea- what realistically is going on is. You know, when the economy is stable or good, uh, people start to think and support the things that they'd like to do, that's nice to do, that's important to do, that has a long-term trajectory. Uh, But when we get Hmm. into a situation where the economy starts to have a a bit of a negative downturn or there's a significant amount of anxiety, it's almost like a issue hunger games, Mm -hmm. right? Where people go, man, I really uh, the import the environment is important to me in the long term. I'd like to see action on climate, uh, but I can't pay my rent, or I'm struggling to pay my mortgage payment. And when you uh, when you ramp up those two things, it, it looks at least that in the short term right now that the environment is suffering as a, as a priority at least compared to the coronavirus, which has kind of the one two punch. It has a health dimension. And it has an economic dimension too. Now, speaking of uh, economic anxiety, uh, of course, I mean, top of mind with COVID nineteen is is trying to flatten the curve, not overwhelm the healthcare system, um, keep uh, mortality rates low as low mm-hmm. as possible. Uh, but economic anxiety seems to be creeping in. Is it not? How how do Canadians feel about their their future? Oh man, you know it's uh, you know if uh, if the first uh, trend line I showed you was like a trajectory upward. Let me show you another, another uh, trend right now. And this has to do this, uh, you know, we track with Bloomberg uh, Canadian consumer confidence. Mm. And uh, you can see this is a trend line that actually goes back to 2008. Um, And you can see that kind of that first drop in 2008, that red line, which is where the expectation sub index, which shows what people think is going to happen. Uh, a steep drop and then a bit of a recovery. But, you know, check out where we're at now. Uh, we're at a point mm. that is much more negative uh, than it was back in the worst of 2008. 
and Canadian consumer confidence for all intents and purposes has fallen off a cliff into an abyss. And this uh, speaks to the level of, uh, of anxiety that people have. And, and to put an even uh, finer point on this, you know, we ask, uh, we ask Canadians every week whether they think that the economy is going to get stronger or weaker. And check out those numbers uh, for, mm. uh, for, you know, the economy. 78% think that the economy will get weaker in the next six months, while only 8% think that it's going to get stronger. That's almost a factor of 10 to 1. And uh, it speaks to the, the negativity that's out there when it comes to uh, the future look on the Canadian economy. So Nick, if you're if you're the Liberal government um, and you're trying to you're trying to get Canadians to accept these containment measures to stay home as you and I are doing, um, and then you've got this tension with with economic anxiety, where I mean we're even starting to see protests where people want to get get you know a handful of people let's say want to get back to work. Um, how how do you sort of navigate that? How how do people see the government doing? now in, in, in terms of, uh, of this tension? Well, you know, it's interesting, you know, when we, uh, w- when we look at how governments are perform, or at least how Canadians think they're performing, a lot of it has to do with what people see in the news. So when they see whoever the Prime Minister of the day is in the news, talking about important issues that uh, Canadians want to see action on, it's usually good uh, for, for that Prime Minister. We saw that, uh, we saw that in Stephen Harper, you know, his numbers went up. Um, in the 2008 recession because he was seen as being proactive. He was a steady hand on the economy. He had a plan. He was doing infrastructure spending. And we saw his, uh, his numbers go up. And, uh, you know, conversely, when uh, prime ministers are not focused on core issues like fighting scandals and controversy, mm-hmm. their numbers go down. But, you know, this particular situation with COVID-19, where Justin Trudeau has basically been in the news uh, almost every day talking about uh, what uh, the federal government is doing to fight this, how the federal government is working with provincial governments. Like, you know, we have a power index and let me uh, me share some data on this. So the power index that we do rolls up who people are voting for, who they think would make the best prime minister, evaluations of each of the federal party leaders and who people uh, would even consider voting for. We roll that up into basically a brand index and check out that red trend line. That Mm. red trend line's on a positive trajectory. It's not as strong as it was during the height of the liberal honeymoon after 2015. Uh, But look at the conservative trajectory. That's the blue trend line. Uh, The conservatives are actually, in terms of their brand strength, are are trailing the new Democrats. I think a lot of this has to do with the fact that the conservatives are going through the leadership process. Mm -hmm. And this is, you know, let's face it, this is a tough, uh, this is a tough environment for the conservatives. You know, they've they've been fighting against deficits and big spending. And right now, we've got the biggest spending and probably the largest deficits that we will see since the war, as in World War II. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, for the conservatives, they don't have a leader. So they need to get a leader in order to start to drive their numbers up and kind of uh, get back in the game. But they also need a narrative and position in terms of what are their views on the deficit in terms of what's acceptable is unacceptable. What are their views on the economy and uh, what is their path forward? That's different from the liberals because right now Trudeau's in the news, you know, talking about the COVID-19 and basically announcing spending and support for 
all different types of Canadians from students to seniors to businesses. And it's just uh, for the Conservatives, it's just a very tough spot. So I think they've got to get through this and then hopefully have some type of counter vision to bring the Liberals to account. Do we have a sense of how the Liberals are doing in, in uh, Alberta and Saskatchewan, where traditionally, you know, yeah. they, they haven't been doing uh, so good, let's say? Well, still not so good. But, uh, <laughs> you know, there's one thing, you know, we'd ask Canadians, uh, for example, what words and emotions they would use to describe the government in Ottawa, not the Liberals and not Justin Trudeau, but the government in Ottawa. And uh, before pre-COVID-19, uh, Pessimism and anger were the two top words. And then when you got to Alberta, like the Prairie Provinces, pessimism and anger was like, I think six or seven out of every 10 Albertans would use uh, that type of language to describe how they feel about the, uh, the government in Ottawa. Fast forward now in this COVID-19 world, and uh, how about this? Only half of people in the Prairie Provinces are angry <laughs> or pessimistic. So it's an improvement. There you it's go. an improvement, but there's, you know, for, there's still a lot of Canadians in the Prairie provinces mm -hmm. that uh, are unhappy with the liberals. Don't think that they're doing enough to help the uh, energy economy and, uh, and, are, and are fundamentally disappointed. It might not be as intense as before, but it's still mm -hmm. very significant. I mean, we, we've seen a one-two punch within Alberta where in addition to the COVID-19 pandemic, we've seen this, oil price war between Russia and Saudi Arabia, just, just driving the price of oil, you know, below the ground, really. So, I mean, I, 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 can, I can't even imagine, you know, what, how uh, the federal government can, can hope to address both issues. Uh, so it's, it's quite a challenge for them, I'd say. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and you know, the, provincial the provincial governments are squeezed at the same time in terms of uh, revenue for the programs that they need to deliver. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a, basically a worst case scenario. You know, Michael, we saw that negative trend line on the economy before, you know, that was a steep downward trajectory. If we parse out the prairies, it's even more bleak um, mm -hmm. with uh, not a lot of hope, which is, which is why, you know, there, you know, Canadians that live in the prairie provinces are, are looking to the federal government to do something to help that part of the country and to help, help the energy sector, which is basically where it's at. Uh, mm -hmm. for that region. When the energy sector is flat, the economy in Alberta is, and, and the Saskatchewan especially are, are flat. And when it goes down, those, those are the two provinces that get hurt the most. So, you know, they need, they need action too. And the same way a lot of Canadians want action on COVID and the economy and jobs and the environment, when you get to the prairies, they need action on what the future is of the energy sector and what the, what the federal government is going to do to create conditions at least to have jobs uh, in the in the Prairie provinces, I should add too. Uh, Fort McMurray is seeing historic flooding right now. Um, it's just the the images are just incredible. Um, but I, I want to talk about Conservative leader Andrew Scheer. Um, I I mean we we were talking about how the the Conservatives have kind of uh, fallen down in, in the power index, but uh, Scheer recently he he, he seems to be. Uh, um, uh, criticizing a lot of the procedural stuff in the in the House of Commons. Uh, I mean, there are legitimate issues there. Um, I think the Liberals walked away from from you know having less parliamentary oversight over spending, but a lot of a lot of what he's doing it seems to be very inside baseball House of Commons processy stuff, right? So obviously that's not really sinking in with uh, with Canadians. 
Yeah, you know, the, the thing is, it's kind of akin to, you know, when someone's not happy with a particular outcome, they start complaining about the rules. Oh, mm. the rules aren't fair and not right. transparent and we need to change the rules. And, uh, you know, the fact of the matter is it's a situation that's not, uh, not good for them. You know, in this particular case, uh, I'm not sure having Andrew Shear and the Conservatives focus on process is a good tact because people can't pay the rent. That's actually mm -hmm. what they want to hear from Andrew Scheer and the Conservatives. They want to hear about what the Conservatives are doing to keep the Liberals to account, what the Conservative vision would be to create prosperity, what's the Conservative vision for managing the debt and the deficit, and, uh, and how is that different from the Liberals, to talk about those big pictures, about what the Conservatives are doing to have a stable, to, to at least help promote, or if they were a government, help create an environment that could create a stable economy or at least as stable as possible. So complaining about the rules and the procedures is just fundamentally the wrong tact because that's all Canadians want to hear about is, okay, so you're not the government. If you were the government, right? What would you do? What would your, be your position on the debt and the deficit? What would be your position on prosperity and economic growth and creating jobs in this very difficult environment? Is it any different from the Liberals? And to put forth their vision on, uh, as, as a bit of a counter and to, and to fundamentally hold the Liberals to account. Because I think for the Conservatives, you know, it's going to be hard for them to attack the Liberals in terms of how they're managing right now because we're in emergency mode. The Liberals are pumping money into the economy to help Canadians pay their bills. It's going to be hard to really be against that. However, you know, there is an opportunity for, I think, for the Conservatives to say, okay, in the short term, we know that this money has to be spent. But in the long term, what is our plan for the size of government, services that will be delivered, what support will provide the businesses and Canadians in the future? And, you know, someone's got to ask the question, okay, we're going to have unprecedented debt as a result of this. What happens if this comes back? Where's the fiscal capacity for a second mm -hmm. wave? And, you know, these are valid questions that the Conservatives can easily put on the table to say, okay, we understand what you're doing now, but what happens is this, if this happens again? And what is Canada going to do? What can Canada do from a fiscal and economic perspective if we have a recurrence in another year uh, after we've already racked up a lot of debt just to fight this first battle against COVID-19? So I, this is actually was going to be my, my final question to you, which, which is, you know, to predict the future. Uh, what, what do you think the major issue would, is, is going to be in the weeks ahead and, and you know, uh, politics wise? Now, hold on a second, Michael. I'm looking, I'm looking for my, uh, where's my crystal ball? Just, <laughs> just pretend there's a crystal yeah. ball here. Um, <laughs> Post-production, we'll, yeah, we'll put that I in. I think, uh, you know, the, the prediction is going to be related to the economy. And if we've mm. had... Uh, if we've had casualties to COVID, because as a virus, the next casualty is going to be the economy. It's going to be ugly. Uh, we're going to see businesses that will not be able to reopen. We'll be seeing Canadians that will be a, a record high unemployment rate that we haven't seen for a long time. We're going to see GDP go down. You know, when powerhouses like China, when the GDP goes down in China, you can imagine for a country like Canada what that means. So um, I think the prediction is you know, once we, once we transition back to normal, there's going to be a period of a significant amount of economic pain. And, uh, 
and it's just not going to be pleasant, I think, for uh, for many Canadians. And they're going to be looking to the federal government just to provide an, a concept on what the path forward is. Not necessarily just more handouts, but what is the path forward on this to keep Canada healthy from the virus perspective and healthy economically. Nick, thank you very much. And to our audience, we hope that you are at home, healthy and happy. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and we'll talk to you later. So Nick, where can we find you? As aside from at home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, you can uh, follow me on Twitter at Nick, N-I-K, Nanos, or on the web at www.nanos.co. And I'm also on Twitter, as always, at Michael Stiddle. 